0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. My name is Mario Thomas and I'm the leader for Experience-Based Acceleration in Europe, Middle East and Africa for AWS. And today I'm joined by Joe Daly, who's Director of Cloud Optimization Services at Nationwide in the US. Joe, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, So just to help our our listeners, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your role and, and what you do at Nationwide?
1: Sure, sure. Wonderful, uh, wonderful talking with you again, Mario. Like you said, my name is Joe Daly. I lead up the cloud optimization services team at Nationwide. Um, what my team does is we 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 do two things. We one we push uh, FinOps or cloud financial management practices throughout the organization, um, and the second thing we do is we basically make sure that we can match our cloud consumption and our the financial impact of that cloud consumption to the business that it supports and the solution that it's delivering. Great. Thank,
0: thanks for that, Joe. And I, I think that um, the last time we spoke about this and the last time we had a, a, an in-depth conversation was this, was uh, was at reInvent, which was nearly a year ago now. I know. Um, a lifetime ago. And I, I think it's, yeah, yeah, it just feels like so far away. And I guess, you know, the world has changed. Uh, beyond anything i think either of us expected or imagined um in, in that time so how are things at nationwide and and uh, uh, you know what are you having to change um to make sure you can continue to meet the needs of the customers that you have
1: yeah well surprisingly uh, no one forecasted a pandemic um so we've <laughs> we've, we've we've done a lot of like everyone, just moving on the fly, trying to see what works. And we've gone from being uh, mostly in-person in working in the office environment to uh, nearly 100% working from home. Um, so it's been an interesting transition. From my perspective, uh, I guess I could say I'm lucky because um, best practices for cloud financial management um, really only become more impactful in, in moments of uncertainty. They really help guide application teams and service teams, make sure that they're delivering this, the value of their solution. And the best practices really still apply here. Making sure that how you are using the cloud resources and what value the solution is delivering to the business keeps the customer in focus and allows us to continue gaining efficient financial efficiencies in areas where we're able to provide the most value. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world economy today, um, but being able to give yourself more levers to be able to react and move forward in a strategic way is, is something that's very comforting and also very powerful. So cloud financial management, we've only been able to get more attention in this space and, and drive more uh, adoption of our best practices
0: great and and it's a it's a recurring story that i'm i'm hearing w- with our customers and they're looking for new ways to innovate and new ways to speed up uh, the way that cloud is is transforming their organizations. And I think I saw a, a couple of weeks back um, some really great videos um, on LinkedIn, actually. Uh, you guys had a cloud machine uh, and a party going on. And and, and for, for those people that don't know about experience-based acceleration, um, the, the party is p- a part of um, that, that methodology that we've created. Give me the background to, to why you're doing the experience-based acceleration parties and, and uh, how did you get it all started?
1: You know, uh, it was two years ago we started, it's two years ago now uh, of, of this recording date that we started our our migration efforts and and made our cloud environment open to developers. And we wanted to make sure that the first experience that we had with developers moving to the cloud was a good one. Um, not everyone has the same experience. Not everyone is a cloud expert or a cloud ninja or whatever terminology you want to use. So we want to make it a, a area where people wouldn't immediately, if, if they ran the roadblocks, we had um, people on hand to get them past those roadblocks. And we brought in AWS resources, uh, the technical experts there. We brought in internal resource, uh, subject uh, domain experts to help in that area. And so we had maybe five or six teams be able to start their migration process in an environment where if they had an issue, they were able to get immediate it was immediately able to get addressed so that they can continue learning and of course we kept it fun we had fog machines cloud machines uh food uh, you know plenty of pizza catered in and uh and and great great energy the entire time monster I, I don't drink energy drinks but we had lots of monster energy drinks uh to keep people going
0: yeah there, there looked to be a, a lot of energy in the room and, yeah. and i guess i did, did did the parties change the way that you were thinking about cloud, or that Nationwide was thinking about cloud, or did it change your approach to migration? You I know, mean, how was migration before the party started? Was that something that that was working? Wasn't working? What, what what did the parties do for you?
1: Well, in some of my past experiences with cloud migrations at other companies, and and talking to other companies, a lot of times um, migrations are very much uh, infrastructure focused. And that's fine, given the context of each company. But what's great, uh, what I really appreciate about, about Nationwide's approach to this was that it was very application-focused and developer-focused. So we were able to bring in developers uh, in, into that sort of mindset of, hey, here's what it's like to provision your resources. Here's the different sorts of services that are available to you. Um, here's how you use pipelines and or CICD um. Methodologies and technologies to, to launch your resources and then also to provision them down at the same time. My team was also there to make sure like you under, they understood how these resources incurred charges and what ways they could, uh, what, what things they could do to manage those charges, um from terminating them, make sure you terminate, uh, when you terminate EC2, make sure you don't leave behind any EBS volumes, right-sizing opportunities, and how you figure those things out. Uh, so it's just a totally immersive environment for these developers. Uh, and, and it was it just rave reviews each time. And we st- we went from it being a one-off to it being a monthly activity for all throughout 2019 until the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I guess you talked a lot about the developers
0: and bringing in CICD and you know turning off ec2 instances um what about the other benefits what about the non-technical um, teams that you had um, how did how did they um react and, and how did they realize um benefits as a result of the parties
1: you know it, that's what, what I love about cloud financial management is it's a full team effort it's it's not it's not only on developers it's not only on engineers. You got to include the finance teams. You have to include your procurement teams. Um, it really becomes a whole, a whole group effort of how are you aligned? Is is everyone aligned? Do people understand um, how the charges are incurred? Where do we send those charges? Uh, for example, if you know we we don't encourage keeping all the charges in one centralized locations. We like distributing those to the application team so that they are able to hold themselves accountable for how their application behaves in the cloud. Um, and then also, then we can drive that towards the business and show the business, this is how much these SLAs cost, or this is how much, um, this solution costs and generates X amount of, of revenue. So we're progressing down that path of maturing to, maturing those conversations, but being able to say, engineers, here's the lexicon you can use, uh, which is Cloud Financial Management and FinOps to better collaborate with finance and procurement, and likewise vice versa, it really brings a more cohesive strategy of, of IT management. Um, as we migrate these applications to the cloud, it's a whole lot. It, it, it sometimes feels like a fire hose uh, because, I mean, not only are you learning new cloud technologies, but you're learning new ways uh, for teams to operate together.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say those new ways. I mean, that that's that, that must be giving you time as well to to do innovation, not just to think about migrations. And mm-hmm. you know, if you think about um, the working backwards process that we have the, at Amazon um, when we de- develop new products and new services for our customers, um, what what sort of innovations like that, or what in, what other innovations and programs did uh, and methodologies did we bring um, to the party?
1: You know, there's so many there's so many technologies available and uh, from Amazon. Um, that we're able to try, there's, I, I remember there was one party where um, instead of building a new system um, with servers and storage and, and database, we leveraged uh, a serverless technology called Pinpoint, um, which was, it was just kind of, it broke a lot of mindsets saying, well, this is how you have to build a solution uh, for for teams that are just getting in introduc- introduced to the cloud. Having these services as options available to them really kind of break some of the mo- models uh, that they were used to. How you develop, how you develop an application, and how you build them into your solutions. Um, so that the that one always stood out to me the most because that that moment when they were like, "Oh, we're using the serverless technology," when they were doing their readout that night, and I was just like whoa, that is a massive leap. And that's not one, not every team can make, but that team was able to really, you know, in that environment, they were able to just speed ahead. There's a lot of, you know, I remember comments of one lifetime nationwide, uh, Nationwider. And Ryan Hughes, when he does his presentations, uh, he leads up the cloud transformation program. He presented at reInvent, and he showed a clip of of this readout where uh, uh, one of our associates who, Spent a long time at Nationwide. Just said this was the most productive, most productive day that he's had in a long time uh, at one of those parties because they were, you know, just being able to have them, have all the mindsets there and have all the technologies available to them. Uh, it it was energizing, really. I mean, there there are so many different sorts of services AWS ha- provides. It's overwhelming, uh, but you know, being able to just be around them and wor- start working with them is really unlocks a lot of creative spirit.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that um, I think this is the one thing that we're seeing um, time after uh, time and again, I think with with the, with the parties is that is that the realization of, of the after of the possible people suddenly see what they can do and what benefit they can bring to the organization just by virtue of of of, of using the cloud to, to deliver these uh, these outcomes for the business. So, yeah, that's really, really. Um, Good to hear that from you as well um so sort of switching track a little bit and 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 thinking about um your area and in terms of cloud financial management um how do you guys do cost attribution for the cloud cost how are you um how are you mapping what you spend in the cloud back to your p l and your budgeting systems and those sorts of things
1: oh man this is the most fascinating topic in the cloud as far as i'm concerned this energizes me i love it because I actually, I, I started in finance, um, and worked my way into worked my way into the cloud. And one of the things that excites me the most about using cloud services is the level of financial transparency that is that you are able to gain. Um, we have a uh, nationwide, we, we. We invested a lot in this area when we were starting. So we have have a very robust account strategy and we have a very robust tagging strategy. So we're able to, we're always able to determine what resource is aligned. At a minimum, we are able to directly link it to a business. Um, Based on our tagging strategy, we're able to link it to an application and even to uh, the resource owner, the human being, human being's name Uh, we're able to link that to um, through tagging and metadata and and, um, linking all that together in our reporting. So with that, we know exactly which cost center is funding each resource. So we're able to, on a monthly basis, send the exact charges down to the penny of what that resource uh, expense what expense that resource incurred and send that directly to them so that they're able to immediately start to see their, uh, the impact they're having on the business. And we don't just do this once a month, we give them visibility into it every day. So if they so choose, and my team can help them get updates each day on, on what their spend is, and even get anomaly alerts if there's things that are uh, spiking out of control unexpectedly. Um, so it's, it's much better to be able to react within hours as opposed to a month or a quarter later to unexpected expense. And what sort of effect is
0: that having on, on the business? Because I think that one of the challenges you have, I think, with IT finance in general is is that the transparency comes you know many months down the road. Right. Um, and you don't really know how to evaluate that expenditure um, until then. Uh, what what effect is is having that information at your fingertips now mm-hmm. having on the organization?
1: Well, that's a mindset of change, right? It's in, from the set it and forget it sort of fixed expense to the power of variable models, um, and, and that's when things like the power of variable expense can really help. It, it gives you more levers, so they're starting to see like, hey, maybe if this is running too much or, or th- our expenses are too high, uh, and we're running out of we're projecting to go off, off budget, we can do things like, uh, shut down our EC2s. We can make decisions to, we can make better decisions when we're migrating, to, uh, instead of going to, uh, an EC2, we can go to our containers platform. Um, we can put lifecycle rules on our S3 buckets. We can right size RDS instances and make sure we're using provisioning EBS volumes at appropriate sizes. So there's all sorts of levers all of a sudden when you have that cost transparency um, that enables you to fine tune one, the solution, uh, what value it's driving, um, and also able you to make the best financial decisions um, for your cost center and business. And
0: what about the, I was going to say, the financial decisions and the sort of business decisions, are you making decisions more quickly around, we're going to experiment, we're going to fail fast or succeed fast, or we're going to turn this off? Oh, yeah. Uh, is that happening faster?
1: Yeah. POC it and run it for a week or two. If you don't like what you're seeing, turn it off and the POC ends. Yeah. And you've just shortcutted months of planning. You have two weeks of certainty versus months of planning and uncertainty and almost a price lock-in by the time you're ready to go. Uh, to the point where failure is too expensive, um, w- w- which happens from time to time in the industry. Uh, but what's been beautiful is I'll get a I'll get a uh, alert um, that we're using a new AWS service that we haven't seen before. So I'm able to reach out to that team the next day and say, Hey, are, I see your POCing this service, and just get the background of what they're doing and be able to really tie it all together. Um, it's almost like financial management is is an alerting of sort. People are used to log alerts and 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 things like that, but your financial your finances can become an alert as well.
0: So they're they're acting as guardrails, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to those decisions, aren't they? Yeah. Making sure they, they keep you um, um, true, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's fascinating for me that, that that there's this degree of of, of interconnectedness between the AWS. Um, and technical teams and, and the sort of finance and business side of, of, of Nationwide. Um, it, you know, in, in my experience, I, d- I don't see um, this sort of approach uh, with, with all my customers and I, I would love to see this approach with all my customers. Um, do you, how do you feel about the, um, the degree of transparency? Do you think that really helps the organization? Do you think that people have higher degrees of trust because of it? How, how does that sort of impact you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the transparency is great because it, it, it just shows what the facts are. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of folks who, when they in, when they do cloud for the first time, they're very much enamored by the speed of which cloud uh, is, enables you to build, um, which is great. However, when you're in a large enterprise, you need to also be responsible because you have great power to launch a lot of services. You need to have the same amount of uh, of accountability. Uh, to be to the business and the solution you're driving. So sometimes there is a, hey, why do I have to tag my resources? This doesn't seem, this seems bureaucratic. This seems old school. Um, and th- this is at the beginning, uh, we, we quickly were able to move past this because of the transparency. Um, when uh, leaders, when cost center owners start seeing their charges and they say, well, what is this charge? And we say, well, it's an untagged resource. And then you just do a little bit of digging, and you say, "Here's the resource creator," and it's the engineer's name, right there. So then, all of a sudden, the engineer has the VP has complete visibility down to the engineer, and the engineer is has a, a great um, FaceTime opportunity with uh, leadership. <laughs> um, so, folks are it, this was a this was a it's a common intro uh, problem that you have when you first start with the cloud um, however it, it's just the way it is uh, there's there's no anyone's not, no one's out to get anybody this is these this is the data and it is, it is visible to anyone who has access to it so that's what my team does is helping make sure that all these different teams have access uh, to their view of their data. One of the things that you said
0: that, that struck a chord with me was, was that, um, you know, we can go and do a, a two-week proof of concept and and decide if something's going to work for us. Um, or we can spend, you know, several months deciding to do something, mm-hmm. at which point the potential opportunity is lost. Um, h- how has that sort of changed in terms of uh, the dynamics of the organization? Because suddenly you've gone from, you know, let's go and spend tens of thousands of dollars seeing if, if we can do this and actually let's spend a few hundred or a few thousand dollars actually doing it. Um, so you're moving into this sort of experimentation mode um far more quickly. How's that um, having an impact on the organization?
1: You know, it's it really reduces a lot of the the paperwork uh, and uncertainty. Uh, there's two two weeks of certainty beats, just months, months of assumptions. Um, there was uh, there's been a number of times when we've migrated uh, early on when we were migrating uh, to to the cloud where, we do a paperwork exercise where we would estimate the monthly spend, which is always good. It's always good to have an idea of what your monthly spend is going to be. However, I, I discourage teams from trying to get too scientific and too exact with that estimate, uh, especially when they're just starting off with the cloud. I It is far better to build a POC environment, test it out. Does the architecture actually work the way you expect it does? And when it does, uh, which is lessons all on its own, you get real-time data of this is the hourly cost of each of each component um and then with that real data you have a far better estimate than uh paperwork assumptions yeah i i I think that's right
0: i think that uh, that ability to get there quickly and get an answer and you know fail fast succeed fast i think is 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 the beauty of of what you're doing Mm -hmm. um just want to um change track again slightly um something you said to me at reinvent you talked to me about a concept of traffic lights versus traffic circles and and i just couldn't do this podcast today without having you talk about that and and explain to the (laughs) listeners um what it was you were saying to me at Reinvent because i just think it's such a cool concept so i just want to hand hand that over to you and get you to talk to us about traffic
1: lights versus traffic circles or traffic or roundabouts as we call them in the uk yeah roundabouts so I stole this concept from Aaron Dignan's book, uh, Brave New Work. And it it I think it's such a great uh, visualization of, of my theory on decentralized cloud management. You can proceed and operate in such a way that's kind of like a, a traffic light, um, where one, one stop, uh, there's one authority that directs traffic at a traffic light, the traffic lights, right? So uh, cars back up in each direction, and go one at a time or just a few at a time. And, and, um, there's actually a lot of, uh, collision points in in those, in those four way intersections. Um, and often traffic backs up and the worst case scenario, and this happens to me sometimes, uh, back when I worked in the office and, uh, let's say the blue jackets are playing at the arena and the, the, uh, police come out to guide traffic and they, you know, they have their theory of how traffic should flow and it's not the way that the traffic light traffic should flow, so traffic backs up in all sorts of directions and just everyone gets angry, um, even though we're all doing the best to keep things safe. So that's kind of like a single point of provisioning, single point of change management, single point of of operations in the cloud. Uh, Or you could do a decentralized management where you're putting a lot of trust in the teams uh which is more like a roundabout right so you approach a roundabout you're a little nervous when you're approaching a roundabout I, i'm not i've we have them here in uh, central ohio uh and it's always a little nerve-wracking like oh great here's another roundabout but it's because i have a lot of responsibility all of a sudden so i have to approach i have to use my own eyes to assess what cars are coming when is it safe for me to decide to go into the roundabout and exit the roundabout? Um, and actually this moves traffic far faster because everyone is being held accountable to their own their own ability to drive. And, 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 and there's like a trust factor uh, with all the cars. We're all, we're all doing the social contract where I will not crash into you on purpose. If you know, I will I will sit here and wait, wait for you to go by. It is best for me to go then afterwards. Um, and things just the roundabouts work because of that. Um, there's no set rules that have to be implemented every single time. Uh, you can approach the roundabout with your own context and assess the environment and move forward. So that is what we're trying to do in a decentralized model of cloud, where we say, here team uh especially in cloud financial management where we say you know there there's uh, your cloud expenses equal your cloud usage times your cloud rate you maintain your cloud usage we say the the usage is like the roundabout you are in charge of making sure your usage is the most efficient um, and works best for your business the business solution that you're trying to provide uh, my team will take the centralized part of the rate part for the enterprise because um, we'll we have we're the only ones with that view of what's going on in the entire enterprise as a whole. So we'll make those decisions on on rate management, um, but we want to give uh, the app teams and the uh, the product teams their own power to decide how best to use their resources. Great, it's a long thank
0: you. Yeah. it's a long explanation, <laughs> yeah. but. But no, it's it's a, it's a really nice explanation. I think that it, it captures the essence of, of, of what you guys are doing and how people should really think about this. So thank you for, for taking that uh, little diversion, no pun intended, to, uh,
1: to, uh, <laughs> to tell us about uh, traffic lights versus traffic circles or roundabouts. Um, and I'm so going to back- have a lot of traffic traffic <laughs> cops uh, being angry at me now. Hopefully, this, <laughs> hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. Maybe they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so just coming back to the sort
0: of cost attribution and, and cloud financial management side of things, um, how, um, how does what you now do um, change behavior? In the organization, so so the way that you're um, the way that you're doing cloud financial management and, and cost attribution, um, how is that changing the behavior of the developers, but also the develop uh, the behavior of finance and the develop and the behavior of of um, of line of business leaders, um, and how does it then fed through to how the business is managed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's this is where I, I think there's so much power uh, for for leadership. Um, because, you know, in, in our older on-prem model that that's worked for, for decades, when you provision resources on-prem, basically you, you know, in your financial Excel file, you, you put your cash payment out there, you divide by 36 or 60 months, and then you just drag it across and that's your expenses. You set it and forget it. Um, which is, which is fine, except for later down the road, you're really limiting, uh, your your ability to maneuver financially um when times change so uh you know there's there's been nothing but uh change there's been nothing but change in the year 2020. um so when when you're able to have this flexibility of variable expense management yeah there there is a lot more um you can't set it and forget it that's a recipe for disaster Uh, but you have to have operations in place where you're monitoring and maintaining your, your consumption, um, and making the right decisions for each, each time this gives you opportunities. So if you need to, if you need to re reallocate where your expenses are going, you can shrink, uh, an area over here and reinvest it, um, over there. It also gives you areas of opportunity saying, you know, one of the things we discovered from uh, our first year of of migrations um, was that uh, cloud migration parties are great. But, you know, there are a lot of times that in a three day period that we had those migration parties, um, teams might have been a little too um, cautious about which direction they should take their migration. So we're able to say, hey, based on, we were looking at the financial impact of our cloud spend and say, you know, containers are an insanely effective way uh, of paying for compute. Um, so we started really being heavily di- uh, directing our applications to our container platform when that was appropriate. Um, and you're able, so we're able to start saying, hey, this technology decision um, here is the you know day to day, month to month, hour to hour uh, financial impact of how we migrate our apps forward, um, and we were able to really start changing our approach to migrations, um, which has helped quite a bit in this year when we're having to socially distance. Socially distance migration parties aren't really. Aren't really a thing, unfortunately, but uh, we're able to take all those lessons and iterate off them uh, to to make continue making best decisions for the business. Great. Thank you. And, and again,
0: you know, another great response to, to, to that question. I, I think that um, one of my favorite questions I get asked by customers is um, who should I hire first um, in my cloud business office or in my new world? And um, I, I guess my response is always um, a finance person. Um, that's like um you know the, the first you're a job smart person. you person. you are a very intelligent person i, I think that's, that's, that answer shows that this is this is high praise but but so um in terms of in terms of what you think the role of finance is in in cloud operations how how important um is fi- is finance in that whole cloud story for you guys
1: the role of it is has is fundamentally changing from being a support service of keeping the lights on to um, transitioning to driving the business. So everything we're doing in the cloud impacts our business directly, uh, especially with all this financial transparency. So if you're able to partner with your finance department, or if you follow the amazing advice that you're giving folks and putting a finance person in your cloud business office, um, you're able to directly impact, uh, you're, you're able to help impact the how the developers are developing and be able to show the exact impact that the resources are having on that so on the solution they're trying to provide the business it really shrinks the distance between engineers and developers and the customer and the in the ultimate customer who's buying the, the service um, so it just removes so many layers of separation uh, and if you can put finance with the developers, uh, and not just finance your procurement professionals as well, um, you, you really start getting a powerful force of how we are developing solutions and, and the financial impact we're having on the company and for the customer.
0: I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the procurement point as well and I think that one of the challenges I see a lot of is when um, procurement first become involved in the cloud it isn't at the point that purchase decisions being made it's at the point where the credit card bill is coming in to be paid mm-hmm. and and that to me is too late to engage procurement too late to engage finance right Do you, have you found that have you you know how have you have you dealt with that sort of after the fact discovery um, of these things going on
1: absolutely I mean procurement professionals I used to pretend. I could be a procurement professional and make my own procuring decisions, and I've paid the price for that. Every single time they, they kind of look at me afterwards and say, shouldn't you have engaged us earlier? And I say, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, if you bring them in on this, they will understand that a variable cloud expense model completely changes how lots of agreements are licensed and how they work. Nobody wants to try to move to a uh, If you've successfully moved to this variable expense model and you get really excited about all the the power and and opportunities you have to manage your environment, but then you signed a five year fixed deal, (laughs) you really kind of took away a lot of the power. And that's just because you didn't bring everyone along and share the strategy. So uh, if you can leverage, if you can make sure everyone is 100% aligned with the strategy, um, all of a sudden your licenses start becoming more consumption based or have more consumption, uh, levers inside the model, your licensing agreements. Um, you're able to prioritize, uh, which, which workloads make the most sense to migrate first versus when, you know, that, you know, based off our licensing agreements, it makes sense to move this down the backlog, um, and move this other, other workload up. Um, so it's, it's really a whole, the technology is great, but the financial impact is the reality of the business. So you need to make sure that they match and are speak are going in the same direction.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you're sort of drifting into, into sort of, I I guess, starting to answer the the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which was how you, um, forecasting the cloud costs, you know, and what tools or techniques are you using to decide, you know, this is what we're going to spend this because, you know, the business, the business often does want a long term view, they're going to say, well, we need a, you know, three or five year business plan, Um, what does our cloud spend look like? How are you addressing that need?
1: You know, there's a lot of data that goes into this. Uh, And, and uh, AWS has cost explorer, which has a forecasting module in it. There's also third-party tools that help with cloud financial management that also include uh, the forecasting modules. So that's where we start with our base. Um, We we pull that information, then we start adding in context-specific information to our business. Um, Things that we know that are happening, that these, you know, these forecast models don't know. If we know that we're going to move this, this application and it's going to move into the containers platform, we know where to forecast that and, and when to start forecasting it, because it's not just when it, it's not just that go live that the expenses start being incurred. The expenses start being incurred the second you launch the, the resource. Um, so we, we take a base model, um, from, from the systems, and then start putting in our, our context-specific information. Now, what's different? what differentiates this is that we do this every two weeks. Um, because the cloud moves so quickly, it changes so much, and variable expenses can come anywhere, uh, we're able to take in a lot of different changes from other areas of the business that perhaps we didn't know. Perhaps... Um, someone, uh, your data group is, is, is testing a new data service. Um, that could blow, if you only did it at a quarterly basis, that could potentially blow up your, your forecast. Um, but forecasting here is, is quite, it's, you know, once you get the model set up, it's pretty easy. You just start pulling that data every two weeks. Um, and, you could forecast it out to the end of the year. You could for, forecast it out for the, for the end of the year, plus 12 months. Um, I know some companies that do a three year forecast every two weeks. Um, so really you're able to, there's the data is transparent and updated frequently enough that you could make the forecast fit whatever context your business is in. That, thanks for,
0: for for answering that, and, and we're almost at time, just I guess I guess one more question uh, from me. Um, what are the most unexpected benefits I think that that you're realizing as a result of of moving to to AWS?
1: You know, it, it's the, I've really enjoyed this role um, as, as cloud financial management. I've done it at two different companies now. Uh, I've done it for nearly five years, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, and each time. Like I've started this role uh, at the beginning of a cloud migration. And the expectation was that, hey, you know, once we get these finances under control, we're good here. Uh, you'll move on to the next project. Um, I was, I've had a number of conversations this year where uh, the industry has really turned around saying, you know, cloud migrations at a certain point will end. Uh, we'll be in the cloud, but this role isn't going away. Cloud financial management is a legitimate profession, uh, that stemmed from this. Um, and there are more and more companies that are investing in this, uh, capability. Um, and the industry as a whole has really grown up. There's a FinOps foundation, which has, which has, uh, emerged out of this where, um, industry companies are coming together to share, to share their stories and learn best practices from each other. Um, there the. Folks who have been doing this sort of consumption management style on prem are able to join uh, application teams and 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 bring their skills into the team to help with consumption management processes. Um, folks who may not have been able to who who do not have developer skills, but you know have financial management skills cuz these aren't these aren't like super high level financial models these are you know i like to say they're life skills you <laughs> know you don't want to spend more money than you're bringing in uh they're able to really you know it's opening career doors of saying hey let me bring my experience into your uh devops team and help bring those skills there um it's really uh, it's, cloud financial management is is really exciting and it's been a pretty, it's, it's, it brings, I I like to say it's, it's very inclusive and it brings a lot of, a lot of different people and a lot of different skills together.
0: Great. And the, and the very last Mm -hmm. question I want to ask you is, is the, the experience-based acceleration. Um, I mean, you've talked, I think pretty fondly of, of, of that experience. Um, when do you think customers should call on that? When should they be doing EBAs and
1: parties? You should always have a party. And if you're, if you're not having a party and you're doing a cloud migration, you're, you're missing out on opportunities. Experience-based uh, events are fantastic ways to learn, um, especially if you're new to the cloud. Uh, we, it, it's just it's a great way to have a great first impression. And you really can't make, at Nationwide we were able to start with experience-based uh, parties, and we were able to build off all those knowledge and all those experiences to really start to iterate and fine tune our migration approach. Um, I highly recommend that. Uh, and there, there's, there's also, um, AWS, uh, Mario, we did a, a cloud financial management experience based, uh, event with, uh, AWS FinHack where AWS professionals come in and same sort of, uh, party like atmosphere help, uh, you know, teach and show, uh, optimization opportunities. So. Um, lots of different sort of experience-based uh, events th- to be had with AWS.
0: Great. Thanks, Joe. And Joe, thank you very much. This has been uh, really nice, really great to catch up with you again. And uh, we shouldn't leave it a year um, until next time. <laughs> and, and, and I hope it's in Vegas next time, um, sat around maybe having maybe having a, a beer together. Um, but thank you for, for joining me for this uh, Conversations with Leaders. Um, and uh, take care.
1: Yeah, you too, Mario. Stay safe.